0: good evening everyone we are back for card authority we are at our new location at rgv hq it's been an incredibly busy couple of weeks it's been a huge release obviously footy stars 2021 has come out and let's just say it has been an absolute buzz Buzz of entertainment entertainment. Thank thank you for joining us once again i'm back with my sparring partner Finally, sitting opposite and next to you for, for the, once. For the first time ever. Absolutely. Time ever. So, welcome aboard, AJ number two. G'day, AJ AJ1. one. Long time no Absolutely. see. Absolutely. I've
1: only seen, seen about 20 hours, 20
0: hours a, a day one. for the last 10 days straight. Yeah, it's, it's, been, been, a, it's been, been a little bit crazy today, everyone. How are you doing, guys? Daniel, day. Peter, David, David. How are you? Let me just, just make sure, sure the comments, comments are working. working. Beautiful. <laughs> Obviously Obviously, welcome everybody, thank you very much for for joining joining us, g'day G'day, Kelly, g'day G'day, Kano from Box Break TV, g'day Robert Mason, popped into our store, so look, it sounds sounds a little little bit echo. maybe James 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 would just unmute your mic for a sec, hopefully that's a little bit better guys, Um, obviously we've got lots of new tech here, I'm getting a few messages, super bad echo, hopefully that is sounding a little bit better, uh is that better everyone let me know if that sounds better this nice. is our first time uh with this setup for the podcast yeah, it we is. have been it using is. it for breaks
1: but uh it's our first time giving it a, a shot here for the pod
0: it's echoing badly all right hang on one sec let me just uh adjust something there all right does that sound better guys that's better sounds perfect now fantastic Yeah, so obviously it's been a huge couple of weeks, obviously, for us, not only at RGB, we've opened RGB collectibles and it's been full steam ahead with RGB breaks and victories we run today, all that kind of stuff. Um, But it's been a huge, huge week and a half, 10 days in footy stars. Yeah, so our last episode we did, we just were looking before, we
1: can't believe it's actually been so long. It says apparently it was on the, the, uh, the 17th of Feb, so... Three weeks ago since our last episode, it feels like it it, it was only a couple of days ago. But since then, we talked about the excitement and the hysteria and the perceived demand, I suppose, going into footy stars and what we thought was going to unfold. And obviously, that day has come and gone and the release week has come and gone. And here we are now a week and a half into footy stars and the footy season hasn't even started. I know, it's crazy. I think we're all sort of sitting around already going... Well, we're ready
0: for the next one yep so uh, i don't know if everyone else feels that way well, right? well before we get to the next one all right so let's just look obviously i'm you know part of a new breed of collector i haven't seen a series one release before has this been the usual kind of release for Footy stars or is this because my gut feeling is it's been a whole new level and it is and it is it's a totally different world to what it was 12 months ago so we saw. Yes, foot- Jono, he's single if you're asking, but not for everyone
1: else. <laughs> um, Footy Stars 2020 was the first time we actually ever saw Series One really sell out. Yep. But it took the year to sell out. And what happened is that product progressively sold more and more as the hobby grew throughout 20- 2020. And everyone knows that obviously things really started to explode for trading cards and yep. AFL included. So by the end of the year, everyone was talking about the fact that the Series 1 had sold out, but it didn't go like how this has gone. This is normally a product that sits out there throughout the season. You pick up boxes and stuff early, and then you just continue to pick up packets and whatnot throughout the season, and you've got predictor chases and all that sort of stuff going on. Yep. This is a whole different playing field that we're in at the moment, that we're on at the moment, I should say. It's a very different space. Yep. The demand is massively outstripping supply at a really broad level. And as a result of that, it trickles into specific releases. And this was going to be, you know, a real indicator of what's happening in, you know, what's going to happen in the year ahead for the hobby and how, you know, the the frequency and the veracity, I suppose, of product being opened and hitting the market
0: and people getting collections done and and all the other aspects of it as well. So. So let's deal with two parts of it, first of all. I think there was expectation and hype. And then there was what actually Select or de- delivered. So let's just talk about the first part first. There felt like there was huge expectation, huge buzz. Obviously, everyone left the end of 2020 on a huge high with brilliance. Yeah. Um, and obviously, Dominance was a huge hit. And then I feel like Select went over and above what they usually would for a Series 1 product. Yeah. And it was this perfect storm of just... I use the word fury, but everyone was just so gimme, gimme, gimme. And, you know, is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? I think it's it's a thing.
1: It's a thing. And as a result of that, whether perceived to be good or bad, and it will always be looked at in, in both ways because it's obviously, it's the, that's the subjective nature of it. But I think it's more so that it's a thing. And if we want to be if people want to be a part of that thing, then you also have to adjust how you how you do things, how you collect, how you acquire stock, how yeah. you purchase, how you open. Um, is it something that no longer is it feasible to try and do a set of Series 1 over a nine-month period because everything's going to be gone by that time? So you yeah. have to actually do it quick and, and first. Like, I think it's more so people need to adjust both expectations but also adjust to the reality that things are changing and they'll continue to change in this day and age and with what's going on across the hobby and the whole spectrum on a global level. Yep. Everything will continue to change and people need to be able to adjust to that. And I know we've talked about it in depth before about adjusting um, rather than being, I suppose, annoyed and potentially just walking away. People need to also consider adjusting the style or the, method, the methodology behind how they collect or... or how they resell or
0: whatever it is that they're doing. Yeah, on that and that begs a question that Lee's just brought up. How crazy are the prices for 2021 series, you know, Series One cards? I would argue that the prices aren't crazy. This happens at the start of every release. There is a huge boom, everyone wants it, FOMO FOMO. And then the prices start to peter off. Yeah. Is that a fair assumption? Yeah, so but that's the natural fair analysis. Yeah, that's yeah, the
1: natural cycle of everything, and it's not just cards. And something that has has peak demand at the outset is always going to have then waves of different things that go on. And the first wave is always going to be people buy a lot of a product, but their intent is not to retain what comes out of those packets. Just their intent is to retain just some of what comes yep. out of it. If they're a collector, they want just some of it and then they want to turn the rest over to minimise what their outlay was yep. or to get their trades done. If you're someone that's reselling the product, you want to move it, you, you, you need to keep your, your money moving. So you need to keep the product moving so yep. it's not tied up in that stock for, for a prolonged period of time. Um, if you're a breaker, you want to move through your break stock unless, you know, it's going to be perceived to have a higher value down the track at a later stage or yep. if it's perceived to be that it's going to be readily available. Like there's all these, these factors involved. Um, the pricing thing certainly cards numbered to these amounts have started higher in the market than what they would have previously. And in 2020, we saw the same thing with Footy Stars. The product was more loaded with numbered cards as a result than it had been in previous yeah, years. Yeah, than it had been in previous years. So, yep. so, so um. as a result of that, we saw initial higher highs, like initial higher opening prices, but also. Higher lows, if if that makes sense, and not lower lows, but higher lows. So so when the cards taper off, the benchmark it sits at, or the level of resistance, we'll call it, tends to sit higher, and that seems to be trending up, release on release, year on year as well. And then we're seeing the releases create an uplift on on previous product because people need to remember: for every new person that comes into the hobby, if they decide to start backlogging previous sets from the day that they joined. That's more and more cards that get taken off the secondary market as singles. So eventually they run out. Those cards numbered to 70 eventually run out. And yep. depending on what the team is and how hot the hobby is, they run out a lot quicker than expected. So my expectation would be that, you know, showstoppers were numbered to 70 last year. These marquees are numbered to 70. Showstoppers last year, aside from the Jaden Stevenson on opening day, which uh, opening week, which was going for astronomical money, yep. everything else uh, in my opinion, started – this is, again, silver showstoppers, the 70. Yep. They started lo- – the prices started lower than what these ones have this year. And I think that's a reflection of broader participation and broader demand in the market. So th- th- that's I- – I think prices continue to go up as a benchmark, but on release there's always going to be a high pickup, then a dump off to recoup money, Bargain hunters move in, or people who have been waiting move in, buy the money for their buy the cards for their collections, or to hold and resell later. And then you see upwards price pressure, and then sometimes there's a second and third selling wave as well. It depends on the product and how the product hits the marketplace.
0: Yeah, and I kind of feel like there's always going to be the certain players from certain clubs that are going to be in demand, and we we flagged this very early on that we saw that Bailey Smith, um, Josh Dakos, Will Day. They were basically the three. Yeah, they were the three. We always knew those three were going to come out pretty quick, and they have certainly gone out high straight away. I feel like they've dropped back a little bit, and that's a good question Robert's just asked about, do you think the marquees will retain their value? Well, history would say that they're not going to stay at these same values that they are in the first week. Some will and some won't. Yeah, Yeah, but, I mean, Bailey Smith is not going to suddenly become a $200 card yeah no no that's right yeah. it, it might drop from the five six hundred dollars to no, people, something with a yeah, four p-
1: people are forgetting that a huge amount of the product has been opened and hit the market already like the secondary market it's been opened up the singles are out there it's not like we're going to see for the next six weeks five marquees a day getting posted i yeah. don't see that happening we'll see we've seen the first peak has taken place over the last few days We'll probably have another cycle of selling because more product has been opened throughout the course of this week. Yep. But then after that, I don't see the volume of singles starting to go up. So if you're looking at eBay total listings in the category select footy stars 2021, that total category within the next two or three days, the total the volume of results should start to go down day by day. And that's what then starts to create the pressure. It reaches a point of critical mass. It tips over yep. and upwards pressure starts to kick in. Certain cards of certain players from certain teams just will not go down in price. Yep. Like oh, I think you and I probably would both agree that the Dustin Martin bang card,
0: yep. it's not going down at this point. No, I feel like it's flattened a little bit. Yep. Like, like I, I certainly saw that, you know, I know I've picked up a couple and, you know, I, I, I flagged this very early on that I thought it was going to be a hot card. And, you know, you guys kind of mocked me a little bit about it. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, like, you know, I, I always thought it was going to be about $150 card. Yeah. You know, I saw one, you know, sell for $190 on eBay yesterday, yeah. which is eight or nine days after release. Yeah. Do I think it's a $200 card? Probably not. Yeah. But do I think it's a $150 card? Absolutely. Do I think it's going to maybe go to $130, $120? Probably. Okay. You know, but it doesn't never. become a sub 100 card. Never. I just can't no. see it. I think it's been
1: picked up by too many people that I don't see it. Yeah. yeah.
0: And, and I think too that, you know, I am certainly looking to continue to buy them. And, you know, I know at around the $100 price point, I'm buying them every single time I can. Yeah. So look, um, to answer your question, Robert. Yeah. I think there's always going to be the natural curve of prices. But, you know, if you're holding out to get a Will Day marquee or something like that for $200, um, I don't think it's going to happen. And, look, I've seen a comment from Daniel. I won't put it up because it's going to probably um, it'll be a bit too big. But the averaging of the price is not really a true benefit. There is always going to be, based on teams and collectors, there's going to be certain cards are going to stay up, as Adam just yeah. said, and then the, the lower, less... Collected clubs, their cards are going to stay lower. Yeah. You know, do I think Isaac Rankin is going to stay at around $300? Not sure. Do I think it's suddenly going to be a $150 card? No. I think it's going to stay a little bit higher than, say, the David Swallow or the Fiorini or whatever uh, the Fiorini, I think it was last year. So I think there's going to be a natural progression of things being a little bit more. But again, time will tell. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, So let's talk a little bit about the release. You know, obviously the marquee we've talked about, I think it's a brilliant looking card. We've been lucky enough to pull a couple at RGB breaks The the shine and the frame around it is fantastic. So the marquee sort of speaks for itself. Um, what do you think of the Brownlow predictors and the Premiership predictors and the Coleman predictors? Because obviously I feel that um, there is going to be more hype and more speculation on those cards this year. Yeah. So they're going to be, especially with the Coleman being a new card, do you think they're going to hold their price or do you think there's going to be sort of a savage dip off on some of those once the footy
1: starts? Yeah, absolutely. there will be like, that's where the fluctuations really kick in. I think most other things retain value and value settles at a certain point for all the other numbered inserts. The predictors start to move and they fluctuate wildly. And it's a combination of performance on, you know, on-field performance versus collector base. So a lower collector based team that isn't performing could become a very very cheap card yep whereas a higher collector base of a team that's not performing will become a medium price card yep sort of thing and then obviously anyone who's performing of any team becomes a high price card and we'll see that fluctuate throughout the season yep. so what's interesting is that what's happened here is the predictors, have come out, a significant amount of them have been opened or on the market before the play has even started Yep. and before b- b- polling for anything has started to kick in. So as a result of that, the market almost doesn't know where to find its feet, I think, a bit. And yep. that's why we're seeing such big contrast between pricing on those predictors. But it's really interesting for me for the first time, there's obviously some sort of feeling that Jack Steele slots somewhere into that range of players that could win a brown low now. Yep. And the Brownlow prices for him before their season's even started is at literally four X on what they've ever been before. Yep. So you can pick up a steel Brownlow at the moment for 80 bucks, right? Which a lot of people will look at and go, Well, wow, well, that's that's cheap compared to other potential Brownlow winners. Yep. But for St Kilda, that's a card that like 2019 Brownlow predictors ten, fifteen dollars. You know what yep. I mean? 2020 they went up a bit more, obviously yep. with the market. Now it's starting to price him in as a potential vote getter, you know what I mean? So it's interesting.
0: And, and do you think at that stage when the season starts and it drops off a little bit, Brownlow Predictors in particular have been a subset people have wanted to collect on their own? That's right. And, you know, you look back, we get tons of requests for 2018, 2019 Brownlow Predictors. Mm-hmm. Being that it's Series 1 and so much of the product normally doesn't appear, but it is appearing this year, Yeah. do you think that makes it more obtainable for the people that, you know, a good friend of ours, Marquis Meditar, he collects the Browner predictors. Yeah. So do you think that makes that set more attainable for if, him this year? If you're if yeah, so
1: so I suppose the big difference between Footy Stars now or series one now and what it used to be is that collectors are buying up a huge volume of the stock. Yep. And as a result, the numbers become a, a truer reflection of what's actually on market. So traditionally speaking, and someone feel free to correct me if I'm wrong here, but I remember a couple of years ago asking the question and getting a pretty solid answer that the Dustin Martin at that point was the highest redeemed Brownlow predictor of of all time from like the the Brownlows or whatever, and it was only about 30% of the run. So it it goes to show that historically Series 1 cards, because they're scattered so far and wide and they're so widely accessible, a lot of them never see the light of day or they see the light of day, but they end up in rubbish bins, folders, destroyed... Drawers, cupboards, tubs, everything, because a lot of the, the kids that are getting them are, are not aware of their value. So as a result, predictors have always been a lot rarer and harder to find yep. than what the numbering represents. So I personally, within my Total Saints Master Set of about 1,300 individual cards in that Master Set, I'm down to, to less than 30 cards to complete it, and I think it's four of the 30 uh, Brownlow predictors from within the last five years. I just can't find them. Yep. Or if I can find them, they are like crazy prices, like, and I can't justify it at that price level knowing what the other ones cost sort of thing, you know?
0: Absolutely. G'day, Gribbler, on the line. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Shane raises a good point, and I guess I'll jump to this now before we keep moving through the others. What are your thoughts on the lower-end inserts being dumped in bulk lots? Well, look, Shane, I can only sort of speak about what we would have been doing here at RGB Collectibles. We put up a whole heap of team lots. Yeah. And effectively... The lower to mid-range teams, we were—I think they were like 34 card sets. Yeah. We were selling them for about 30 bucks. Yeah, so it sort of worked out to being about a dollar an insert. Yeah, um, and then obviously the higher teams are getting. $50, 60 $70, because yeah. they're more in demand. Yeah, um, I'm yeah. not quite sure if you're referring to a specific situation whether people are selling them cheaper. So,
1: so definitely on Facebook, I reckon, Shane, and again, correct us if we're wrong, I reckon you're referring a lot to what you're seeing on Facebook and I'm certainly seeing it as well. Yeah, I, I've
0: been so busy. I it's really same, haven't. I haven't had a huge
1: amount of time, but yeah. I, I can see there's significant dumps going on at the moment. Yep. Um, and I think we, we need to be conscious that, there's two inserts per packet this year and one of them isn't a jigsaw card that gets treated like a base card effectively. So as a result, we're straight off the bat seeing twice the amount of volume of lower-end inserts and we're also seeing people acquired a lot of stock for themselves where they would have gone around over a period of time buying packets and potentially boxes. They've ordered boxes and cases, opened it all up very quickly. They've worked out what they need for their set, what they've got, and they've started to dump off everything else. And I think... In, in psychologically, those cards in people's minds are worth less than what they could actually sell for. Yep. Um, and, and people get to the point where they're just like, OK, well, I've done my set. I spent my amount of money that I was prepared to outlay in total. Anything I get back is almost a bonus. I just want to be rid of this stuff. But is that a bad thing? It's not a bad thing because it provides opportunity yep. Yep. for people to get the cards at a cheap price. I think David Hunter said before, remember, these are $3 packets for kids, you know, yep. that kids need to be have accessible. And I think what that does is the dumping, although it has, ne- it, it can have a negative effect on people trying to sell cards, us included, like price dumping and product dumping reduces our ability for, for the commercial things that we're involved in yep. to be able to generate money back and make money back. But what it does do is it allows kids and parents who are just looking for cards to help their kids and to get those sets done to get it at a really affordable price that would equate to them buying the $3 packet. So as much as the $3 packet may not be as readily available, if people want to acquire the cards and parents need them for kids and whatnot, well, the secondary market will present those cards in a a format that's affordable on the low side. And then the, the bigger collectors and the people with more money are paying bigger money
0: for the for the numbered cards. Yeah, and look, Shane's referring to something we actually talked about the other day. Um So a whole case of inserts minus the numbered cards for $350. Yeah. So I don't know the exact number of cards it would have been. I'm guessing somewhere around 200 and no, something. More. I think it was like 500 plus cards. It was so cheap, so, like incredible. So that, let's call yeah. it 70 cents a card, yeah. okay? Let's look back to, say, Dominance. A week or oh, maybe two weeks after Dominance was released, maybe three weeks, you could buy pretty much any hollow you wanted for $3 each. So, I mean, that's a numbered card in a series two release that you can pick up for $3. If you're picking up a non-numbered insert from series one, is 70 cents or a dollar no, about like, right? I suppose it
1: begs the question is what is someone's expectation when they spend $3 on a packet? Does is the expectation is that you should always get $3 or more back? Or is the expectation that In a lot of instances you should get only 50 cents back and that one or two packets will get you back more than your three dollars yeah like yeah that's the thing as well it's like it's expectations need to be measured in what we're looking at here the reality is people aren't opening boxes after they've done their set or going in breaks after they've done their set to hit the low end inserts they want high value numbered cards jumper numbers low numbers Yep. big big case hits that's ultimately what people are looking for at that point um no, so so again but i think at the end of the day there's still a huge market for the singles and i think facebook is an over representation of the marketplace and the hobby and the community i think it's yeah, that's a good point and i think we've really discovered in the last couple of weeks because we've got this ebay store set up so we've seen what's happened is and we've sold quite a lot of stuff through the store. Like, don't get me wrong, we've had a lot of listings and we've put in a lot of hours to get them up and do it all. Yep. And a huge amount has sold. But I think the general consensus in, in this building right here is that somewhere between 95% and 97% of all buyers on our who have bought stuff off our eBay store since the release of Footy Stars... We do not recognise their names. They are absolutely not within any of the Facebook trading card communities, let alone people's names who we recognise in general. So I think that that is really representative of how broad the interest really is in cards and how many people there are out there that are not just sitting in really good vibes or the AFL select and team coach trading group or 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 whatever community it may be on Facebook. It can be
0: a little bit of a distorted view card.
1: But here's the thing, when I first joined Facebook communities and I first started getting invited to pages, the whole reality of it was you would get cards in a lot better transaction, more almost a more secure and enjoyable transaction, but you would generally get cards a lot cheaper than what you would get them for on eBay. It was like You were being accepted as part of a community and you were part of a a small community within the community and it was beneficial because people looked after each other on the price of cards. And as much as people don't necessarily think that's the case now, I think in most situations it actually is. And even when you take away the 12% of eBay costs, the sales and the, the items that generally get listed on Facebook are a lot cheaper than what actually they sell for on eBay. So within the Facebook community, people are actually very fortunate because they are getting best value options. But we know from experience. We have seen cards on our eBay store sell instantly for $50 whilst they're being sold on Facebook for $30. There's yep. no doubt about it. You yep. know? So, yep. yeah, it, it's a very interesting time at the moment. The community on Facebook, as much as that's growing, the community outside of
0: Facebook is growing massively as well at the moment. Absolutely. Absolutely. So do you think then is it, um, is it a bit of a poison chalice then that people are wanting these cards to be worth more and in Shane's respect doesn't like the idea of them dumping? But on the other hand, people are saying, well, this is Series 1. We want our kids to be able to get it. We don't want to have to spend $3 an insert. Yes. You know, I feel like... the it's impossible to please everyone. You
1: can't. You can't please any Everyone in any type
0: of situation, let alone this. But let's yeah. let, let's look at this.
1: So, for those that don't know, Shane Penrose an absolute stalwart of the the community and the collectors community. Been around for 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 a long time within all the circles within the community. Everyone knows Shane. He's obviously is running uh, at Malvern Town Hall on the twenty first. running a card show there where people are exhibiting yeah on on sunday the 21st Melbourne town hall in melbourne yep make sure you check it out online shane feel free to post a link into the comments here but this is leading towards something shane because what it's leading towards is most people who take stalls at the card fair will be selling and looking to sell off all these low-level inserts from footy stars that's my expectation And my expectation also is, being someone that's actually from from that municipality and within that area, that aside from all of us people on, on Facebook and on this stream right now and on Card Authority that are intending on going, there is going to be a very significant amount of parents with kids, teenagers, young adults, all going in there with the intent to buy the single cards of footy stars and stuff that they need. So... The fact that there is so much available and out there actually is going to become beneficial to the resellers and the people who are taking up stands at the fair because it's providing an opportunity to sell them at what would be a higher market value than what they're going to get within our Facebook
0: community who already has all the cards. Yep, very true. So, look, we'll keep moving on. Obviously, there's heaps of questions coming through. So we will sort of circle back to a few of them. Um, Jay, just quickly, I'll answer this one because it's easy. Uh, Why didn't Select have the two-pack? with the album this year i mean i don't have the answer to it but i presume it was just again trying to make the albums cheaper they reduced them from 25 dollars to 20 $20, dollars so it's effectively same same go buy two packs get the album same cost it might be a logistical thing i don't know whether or not they actually do uh they may repack that here again i'm just guessing but um it's not as though you're paying the same price for no packets they they reduce the cost um all right, so we talked about predictors, we talked about low ends. Let's talk about the banks. Obviously, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I said right out of the gate, I loved it. There was there was a lot of apprehension about it. Um, obviously, a little bit of blowback that was similar to the kaboom cards. Um, let's do you think a card like that is going to stand the test of time? for desirability, collectability, and value? Um, Because I would argue the Fireworks, apart from, you know, say Dusty and a few of the key teams, those things you can't give away. Yeah, I definitely
1: think the Bang holds a better value than Fireworks. I just think the Fireworks were not a great card and that's what the general consensus was on those. Yep. I think there's certainly, you know, mixed opinions on the Bang. I definitely saw a lot of people sway more towards liking them. However, I, I think that at the end of the day, it's still a Series 1 hit that has got a lot of players represented. Well, how, many, how big is that subset? It's huge, yeah? Eight per team. Yeah, so it's yeah. 144 or whatever, ways, whatever yeah. it is. It, it, it's, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, don't see it, I don't see it having or gaining value over time. I see it where it settles is where it will probably settle. Yeah. Until two years down the track when they become impossible good, to good, find. Good
0: question there, AK. Yeah. Big shout out to AK. He's been coming. He, RG- loves, he loves the bangs. He's been coming to RGB collectibles and RGB breaks to help us out over the last couple of nights. Um, I don't know if iconic is the right word, but you've always told me many, many times. First releases of cards or series okay. ones of cards okay. are, the, are the benchmark. General, I'll, I'll, yeah, I, I, I have my own personal issues with the bangs. Yep. And that
1: as a result. Well, what are your issues? So my issues are I think there's a quality issue with the card. And yep. I think that's something that improve, will improve over time. Yep. Because it's the first of a new series and they're obviously testing different things. Yeah, I, I, I see a quality issue with those cards. As a result, I'm someone who would, as most people know, will bulk collect certain players that I PC. Yep. And I would do it across the board. I did it with fireworks, as I did it with the Galactic Burst last year, for my particular players that I wanted the Bang cards. After a week of release, I've made the decision I don't want to bulk them because I have an issue with the quality of the card. And okay. and, and that's I'll still you know I'm I'm still going the lows and the real specific stuff I need for my sets. Yep. But I'm not going to go
0: try and pick up thirty Jack Steals, for example. Yep. Okay. And. When you talk, and I don't know if you can reach over there. We do have a card, which I mean, and we'll we'll, we'll talk about this. Is that Charlie' camera card over there? You can pass that over to me. So obviously, look, you know, I imagine what you're talking about is that there's there's been some issues um, on the bottoms of the cards. Yeah, um, and I don't know if this will show up on camera, but this is one that we 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 came across. You can see. Right, Try this camera. Try this camera. So you see how there's, like, a little uptick of... It's, and it's clearly where, like, the conveyor belts have, like... Or the hopper or whatever it is, um, sucks the card out and there's been a little bit of a catch. You know, I definitely see that issues like that are something that they need to improve with the process. Yeah. A little nicks here and there. I mean, go and buy yourself a pack of hoops. You know what I mean? It makes them look fine. But, you know, it just... Is that the quality thing that you're talking that's, about? That's Are my it? only issue. Yeah, yeah,
1: So uh, look, the, the look and design of the card, I'm a huge fan. I like yeah. the Kabooms. And and um, Pete Buchanan just said something exactly right, is this is the type of card that if you get a good one, this is the one that you oh, want yeah, to, that this, is, this is what yeah. you want to grade. Like that grading conversation, we'll, we'll park it anyway, but... As we always say, park it. This is an exact example of the type of card because there's so many flaws, because it's a first of its kind production. Yep that if you have ones that you believe are, are much better than others, these are the ones that I think get significant value increase from grading.
0: Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. So, look, I guess then that probably segues to another little topic, which, I mean, everyone's talked about this. Um, the obvious errors in printing. So, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, the, obviously the Collingwood fans would be, Super excited of their new recruit that they've received, uh, Josh Diakos. Um, obviously, we've all had a little bit of fun about that. And in the first sort of card authority release, we, we actually pulled a, um, a Josh Diakos that was a low numbered. And as soon as we opened up, the live stream went nuts. Why is his name spelled Diakos? <coughs> Can you maybe just have a guess? How does something like that happen? Because obviously there was a similar issue with brilliance um, on the back of the redemption yep. cards, you know, and we've talked about it a little bit. But how does something like that happen? Well,
1: So here's the thing. I'm much more forgiving than probably any other person because I've been involved over the years in a lot of print-related stuff, yep. flyers and magazines and all sorts of things. Yep. So I understand the processes involved from brief to design to proof to production. Yep. And it's just, it's an incredible thing that something can go through. And, and here's the thing. I'm, I'm not defending select in any way. I'm defending sort of humanity, I suppose. and Human error? Yeah, human error. Because yeah. something can literally go through 10 sets of eyes, 10 sets of eyes, and no one picks up on it. Yeah. Because psychologically, when they're looking at it, the, each of their brains is playing the exact same trick on that person. and. Something's really interesting is for those who have young kids, because I'm actually going through this at the moment when I've got one of my children is, is been learning to read for the last year. And so we went through this course thing with the teachers at school and they, demo, one of the big demonstrations they did was putting all these words up on a projector, which were spelled incorrectly. Yep. But when you read them out, you read them out correctly and you don't realize until they point it out that there's actually an error in the spelling. Of course, yeah. And I feel like surely in this day and age, there's no way a company like Select could have one set of eyes look at something before it goes to print. Oh, I wouldn't say so. It's, it, it can't just go from the designer to production. It yep. would go through people and people would look at it and, and uh, just yeah, human error is a real thing. And when it comes to printing and proofing, it's a really significant thing. And I guarantee it's not the only one. There would be multiple across the whole series. I haven't noticed any. Yep. Because I'm not looking for it, sort yep. of thing. But there would
0: be multiple. And, and my guess is that the way that things are structured, structured with AFL licensing, and again, this is just a complete guess, but I would imagine that there would have to be some sort of step in the process that um, the AFL would have to oversee these cards as well. So clearly somewhere in the process, the AFL have ticked this off as well. Yeah. So if they've ticked this off, I mean, it kind of just becomes a little bit of a domino chain of just human error. Yeah. So, look, I did reach out to Select. Obviously, there's been a few people ask about this stuff, and we've had a few messages. Sorry, I, sorry, I just need to clarify
1: quickly. Before, I thought it was Shane Penrose that asked the question. About Shane Watmo. The, yeah, it was Shane Watmo. So, my apologies. I confused the two Shanes. Yep. Shane Watmo is another legend. He's also from Melbourne. I'm sure he'll be at the
0: car at Shane
1: Penrose's card fair.
0: Yep, Absolutely. Sorry, we didn't hear who you were. I didn't realise. Um, but I was just going to say, look, I have reached out to Select and asked them the question about young Josh Diakos, and I can announce to everyone, Card Authority exclusive, um, Select are actually going to replace those cards. So there will be an announcement in the next week or two, I think it will be, um, and they're going to try to, you know, rectify the situation and actually get a correct spelling yeah. josh so, Diaco. so just so everyone knows yep.
1: aj literally said to me like a minute before he clicked the on air button he was like oh by the way i've got an exclusive about i've spoken to select about the day card situation i was like awesome thanks again mate yep also filling in uh, the co-host before yep. the show so let me just ask you you may not even actually know how, yep. is there a pro do you know what the process no is no here? idea where the right. process
0: and obviously look it's been Incredibly busy for Select, you know. We can all see that from the outside. Yeah. Um, but they said, look, it's something that they've taken on board very seriously. Um, they've obviously got huge pride in their product, and they are going to look to resurrect it. Um, I imagine it's going to be a similar situation like as what, what they, they do did with the brilliance. So one way post. Well, no, no, the platinum predictors. Oh, the platinum predictors. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So look, um, obviously, don't have any more information about that, but for. You know, Collingwood fans that love Josh Dacos, obviously he is a a huge part of Collingwood future. Um, They are going to set a process in place. So watch this space. We'll obviously provide more information as we hear about it. Um, Capitan, Capitan, you know what? That is a really good point because
1: people knowing that may cause now a rush on the card because is an error version of Dacos going to be end up worth be being worth more than the non error version and i'll tell you like yep. there's probably one really critical factor that's going to determine that is of the total run how many get returned if the amount that get returned make the error version rarer the error one probably becomes worth more money mm. but no one will know until it actually happen like it needs to take place yeah so it's a really so so people have the conflict in their mind do i send it in or do i keep it or do i go get another one Send one back and keep one. Interesting. Does Interesting. every Collywood collector
0: go for the double now? Yeah, yeah. Um, and look, I'm still, you know, not sure whether I'll swap over my platinum predictor set to be honest. So I haven't come up with that decision yet. Because I me personally, the card as it's released is what it is. Yeah. All right. Life is not perfect. The yeah. world is not perfect. You are not perfect, yeah. AJ Two. Yes. Oh. But I don't look to replace you. I yeah. did try to get Aaron in on the show, but I'm so stuck with platinum it. Platinum predictor set as well is, um,
1: I actually got one as a surprise for AJ for Christmas. And as it turned out, he had got one for himself. So, very fortunately, in a break, I had once hit a uh, premiership predictor for the Tigers for 2020 as well. So, I yeah. ended up giving him the Tigers predictor for Christmas instead. But, uh, I've still got the platinum set too. And I haven't sent it back. It. Yeah. yeah. I don't think I'm yeah. going to bother replacing it, to yeah. be honest. Like, it doesn't phase me too much.
0: Yep. Yeah. Um, Jason, trying to get in touch with Select. Don't know, mate. Shoot him an email. I don't know if you're not getting a response, I don't know. Maybe ask a better question. Yeah. Jace. <laughs> Jason.
1: Uh, Jason. Sure. Jason actually had a good query. I actually spoke to Jace this morning. What because, was it? Uh, it's it's an interesting one where Jason bought some product off Select. Yep. But got left a card that wasn't from Australia Post. Yep. Which was designated to a random like a shop, basically. Oh, that was couriers' place. It's couriers' place. Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah, I, I, saw I saw that. post. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. What, what we sort of obviously determined was couriers' please because they're not part of the Australia Post network. They have to independently go and find retail locations for parcel
0: collect, basically. Well, no, or, I, I can cruise. answer that. So, I've done a fair oh, yeah. stuff you with know? couriers' place, right, cool. and this is not a select related thing. And we obviously haven't talked about this. Yeah. But couriers' please certainly in um more regional areas and, you know, out of Melbourne Metro, Sydney Metro, they've got effectively contract drivers and then they've got effectively drop points. And a lot of the times it's a local news agency because they can't drop at post offices. So you might get AJ2's courier service that goes and gets it or gets the parcel from Couriers Please that might be 100 k's away. They go to try to drop it at your door, can't drop it, then go and drop it at whatever their designated parcel, which mm-hmm. would be the one in your area. Interesting. Okay. But if they try to drop your parcel at 6pm and Bob's news agency isn't open, yeah. they've got to wait for the next time they're in the area to go and drop it at that booth for you to come and get it. So I remember I did see the card. It was a, a weird sort of name, but look, obviously logistics have been an absolute nightmare. Yeah. We are still dealing with covert related issues. Yeah. Um, and I know for a fact that Select did everything they could by sending out product to stores, product to the customers, literally on the same day. So, um, you know, it's not a perfect system. Astra- thing, Australia say, is a nightmare for to say
1: We acquired stock from, from various locations. And as yep. a result of that, the stock didn't all come at once. And it's, it's come on different days at different times. Yep. And even with all those places being in the same state, like it's uh, the system's havoc. Listen, I'll be honest, when we all, you know, we we all seem to rant about Australia Post taking four weeks to get one of our cards to another person we do a sell to or a trade to or whatever. Yep. Um, our expectation should be that they're probably not going to do a great job with the cases that or the boxes and the stuff that we were used to in years gone by. Yeah, Because they are still obviously stretched, like, should they have been able to adapt? Yes, I think they should have. Have they actually adapted? I'm talking about Australia Post. No, they haven't. Brought that. But they're trying to. The yeah. whole system's under strain, unfortunately. Yeah, and Australia
0: yeah. is not like the UK. Where there's competition and there's, yeah. Well, no, we've got such a and huge vast, country. Yeah. It's so right. vast. Yeah. with such a tiny population. Yeah. If we had 200 million here in Australia, our postage service would be 10 times better. So, look, I know it's all very easy to kick Australia Post and in turn... People trying to kick select, but look, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't stress, Jason. Um, go to your depot and pick it up. It'll be sitting there. I know sometimes there's been public holidays well, this I think week. He, he contacted them and then they said it's coming at another time or something.
1: Oh, yeah. it, it was a public holiday.
0: Yeah, it was a public holiday so, as yeah. well. So if they can't go and drop it at the news agent, because it's not over go a third party that then has to get it back to the news agent. That's right. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 So is it a perfect system? No. Yeah. But pose it this way. Would people then be upset that yeah. that courier, just as I've just seen someone post something, just went and dropped it on your door? Yeah. And then that potentially gets yeah. stolen. Whilst we're talking about couriers on the freight, can we just, let's just touch on something that was
1: obviously a really hot topic earlier in the Shop, week, sure. which was people uh, outrage. We'll call it outrage. Yep. Low level outrage. It wasn't anything over the top about stock not being in shops and boxes and packets not being yep. in stores. But obviously at the exact same time that there's complaints about stock not being in stores, everyone is getting their stock. Yep. Now in years gone by, that wouldn't happen and you'd have to go out to the stores or you could receive it two days after release and you didn't really care at that point. Yep. But I said it at the time on a post that was on Good Vibes and I absolutely stand by it, whether it's Select, Panini, Team Coach, any other industry, no matter what it is, you, you you just can't win you you can't yeah. win and there's always going to be people that for for absolutely legitimate reasons that the the reasons are founded they're legitimate are upset because their circumstances don't allow them to 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 get something or participate as someone else would so Those people who may be in more regional locations, secondary sort of markets, which take longer to get stock. Those people who weren't able to order off the website, but would be used to going to a service station or whatever it is. It it seems very clear that Select made a very active and educated decision an informed decision that they wanted to get product into the hands of collectors and the buyers first up this year for Series 1 because there's been so much complaints in the past that hobby and series and collectors don't get it first sort yeah. of thing or don't get it at the same time. So I think they did that and they did everything they could to do that. Yeah. And as a result, it slowed down the distribution into the other locations because they had to physically prioritize physical stock and production. So service stations, mass merchants, the mass market, the mainstream market stores didn't get it at the same time as what the hobby did, but I think the hobby needs to more, or the direct consumer needs to more look at it like, well, we got a bonus. We actually got it early instead of getting it on time. Yep. Do do you know what I mean? Like, I think it has a a different perspective on it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And again, it's a situation you just posed. You can't win. Do you know what I mean? If the news agents had got it before people had ordered it direct from Select, yeah, oh, that shit. Can you imagine the uproar? That
1: imagine the uproar yeah. people ordered online. And, and and I the know, news Crispy go first? Crispy posted
0: something here about Perth got shafted by Select. Well, it's not that they got shafted by Select. Unfortunately, Perth is on the other side of the country. It's two days' freight from Melbourne. If you send a parcel from Perth on a Monday and yeah. you send the same parcel to Morabin, where we are here, so, so here's it's a, going to arrive so, in so, Morabin so faster. I'll pose this.
1: does it become the responsibility of the informed in which this case would be anyone who has wholesale accounts or anyone that was able to purchase at a trade level we'll call it who had been informed and communicated to by select along the way that there were production delays and delivery delays that would result in distribution delays so effectively anyone that was ordering at, at a big level absolutely knew what was going on and that product had actually been delayed and that the intent of the company was deliver it. We are, we are It's delayed and there's issues, but as soon as we get it, you're getting it. Yep. As soon as it hits our factory yep. or our warehouse, we're ready for it to be registered straight back out. I think the difference is there's a lot of people in the know, but there is the vast amount of people that have no idea yep. that these communications actually took place to begin with. Yep. Yep. And they did. And I think that's probably a change from the past as well, where in the past, everything was very much unknown and there was a real lack of communication between companies. Yeah, like that's it, true. you got to give a credit for like Selecting the customer base. Yep. So I suppose it poses the question is, you know, do they need to do more to give the front end market some more information moving forward like they did on the dealer level? Yep. Um or does it become, is it more of the responsibility of the dealer and, and people such as us even well, to, to communicate it to the so, to the, so, to the broader marketplace so look, that Ma- everyone knew?
0: Michael like, Hobbs just said a question that allow the distributor enough time selection have had to push the release back a week. It ain't rocket science. Well, Michael, this is the exact point that we just talked about then. If that held the product for an extra week, you're effectively satisfying news agents and those other outlets but the collectors, which is clearly the mantra a selector a selector having, are having to wake a week for the product. But it's also like if you, you can't win. Yeah, so you can't win. And WA, like the geographical
1: nature of different places in Australia, as well as the current flight it's schedule, possible for and, it. The, and the current yeah. flight schedule. So my expectation, and we can check this. You can check it with Select. Is my expectation is that shipping to WA and NT probably still dispatched at least a day before Vic Metro and New South Wales Metro did. Yep and as a result it will only get there one or two days later but the whole thing is if they all of a sudden said okay well we want to 100 percent make sure wa gets it and they dispatch it five days earlier than than victoria new south wales tasmania SA, et cetera well what then happens if all of a sudden it gets bumped the flight a flight forward and it arrives in WA two days before the rest of the country. Yep. You've got every other person in every state all over the country losing it because the people in WA have stopped. Yep. And then it cut so then it comes back to the beginning of this conversation, the beginning of the topic is you, you just can't win. Yep. It, it, no. it, you, cannot, yeah. you cannot win in an impossible situation that is surrounded by changing circumstances constantly changing yep. you are at the mercy of a network and it's a very broad geographical network and-
0: yeah, yeah and I and look i can see shane what saying that tla do it correctly in my opinion well i would argue probably shane that first of all tla is not distributing anywhere near as product as much product as footy stars is so the more product you have and the more customers that you are sending out to the bigger this issue becomes something like a brilliance where there is 2,000 boxes, probably 1,000 orders going out versus 2,500 orders, 3,000 orders, I'm guessing. size, which travel in a different format. Yeah, it's it's impossible to control it because then you're asking distributors not to put it on sale. They're waiting for a day. When other people are waiting in transit, it's just an impossible logistic battle. That's the thing.
1: And here's the thing from like our perspective or from at least my personal perspective, (laughs) if I think that it's something that's a, an issue with the company, I'll give them an absolute whack for it. I've just given them a whack about the bank cards just before. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, But I have to like feel for them in this situation. It is just a losing battle no matter what way you look at it. However, in this instance, I think the balance was actually correct. I think they looked after the many and still have pushback. Yeah. Yeah, from, that's right. From, you yeah. know, they looked after the many, but they still have pushback from the few whereas they could appease the few, risking to appease the few, yep. upset the many. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And, and and that's a balancing act that they have to play.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so look, you know, obviously I think Select have done a really good job and, you know, clearly, you know, it's impossible to please everybody. Um, you know, are there things they could have done better? Sure. Um, it's a learning process for everyone. So look... On a whole, I think Select have done a great job, you know, putting aside all the freight stuff. The release is fantastic for a series one. Series one. The the, the hype is fantastic. Is this a preview to some amazing fucking shit that's gonna happen <laughs> for the rest of the year? Yeah. Well, we can only we can only assume that
1: it's just gonna get huge from here and bigger, like In terms of the quality of the product and what they're going to do and what's coming out, we can only expect that's going to be the
0: case. Yeah. And, and Michael, again, look, you've got to realize Select is clearly moving through a model where they want to be selling direct to consumer to get the product in the hand. Distributors, other shops, stuff like that, um, you know, is no longer their core business. You know, it's a part of their business, but I think you'll see for future releases You know, one point five, two, whatever.
1: The international businesses have demonstrated direct to consumer direct to consumer is 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 clearly the future, and that obviously has its its negative impacts on the hobby as well. But it also has, yeah, it's they can only go with the movement of what's happening with the the broader the broader marketplace and and world and how the world is moving, I suppose. And um, yeah, again, I I think it's a very big year ahead, huge year ahead, obviously with what we're expecting from Select. You know, there seems to be a a bit of excitement building at the moment for Team Coach. Yeah, i have got to talk to you about that for the first time we've seen in a long time. So I'm not,
0: I'm not a Team Coach collector. I've said that many times. I've never really, I don't get it. Maybe it's not aimed at me. You know, um, you know, you said many times that you've collected Team Coach for years. I've watched the previews. I don't know. I feel. little bit underwhelmed do you think they're building up to something better here like yeah so so a few things so
1: for those that don't know team coach is what actually got me back into trading cards because i was hunting around online trying to find some cards for my kids because traditionally kids you know team coach is massive amongst the kids far bigger than what footy stars is amongst children it's it's a huge thing that's the cards that the kids take to school and play with in the playground etc etc however Back before my time collecting AFL, Team Coach was very, very collectible and you'll find that a lot of the big collectors now have very old collections of Team Coach of very rare and desirable cards. Yep. I think Team Coach for the previous few years very much identified that the kids' market and that mass market is exactly where their products at, and they obviously have seen a lot of success in that space. However, I think they have made smart moves and decisions that their cards could easily be a lot more collectible again like they used to be and that people are really yearning for for that alternate option as well. Yep. And as a result, I think we're starting to see that come through in 2021. To me, the previews, the the communications that they've had so far indicate that they are certainly on that path of, of making their product more desirable to than, than just for children and making it a product that should could and should be included within people's collections who may not already collect
0: it yeah, i've just seen a comment here kane from boxwreck tv has said uh team coach look like they've elevated their product this year with the addition of a genuine case it that they previewed today. Well, i mean i haven't seen it i've been busy yeah so so a gold, and, a gold wild card jonathan yeah same. so and we
1: can touch exactly on that so today's yeah. preview and we know there's more to come because they haven't put out the release date yet. So there's going yep. to be more previews. Yep. So that's what excites me. I saw it very quickly, popped up quickly on my timeline. I quickly shared it and kept moving along to other things. Yep. But they released a gold variation of a wild card today, yep. which is a case hit. Yep. It's not a box hit. It's a case hit, which means it's a lot rarer. So you've got you know, the magic wilds and trophies on it, you know, is already there they previewed that they're doing them they previewed them as box hits or the you know trophies because there's less of them become one in x amount of boxes yep. but i think today's preview is is one It's a huge step forward but it changes the value of what what that product becomes worth on the secondary market because all of a sudden you're buying a case and you're guaranteed a card that is far rarer than what you've had for the previous years
0: Absolutely. And look, you know, obviously we I was about to touch on this. Uh, last week I did notice that Tyson Beck, who is obviously a local Melbourne guy, I think he's in Melbourne. I believe Tyson's yeah. in Melbourne, yeah. You know, he has done collaborations with Tops, Panini, all this kind of stuff. He is legitimately the real deal for card design and the next generation of card designs. Yeah. For team coach to land him to do the B&F cards. Yeah. I mean, that's... How is that not being made a bigger deal? Yeah, like, well, yeah. That, that that's massive in my opinion. So the Tyson Beck thing's huge.
1: It's huge within the collectors community. Yep. Obviously within the public space and amongst children and stuff like that, it's so. yeah, they, they, they don't know yep. any different. You know, and certainly no disrespect at all to, to Grange, who also designs cards for the for their series and everything, but yep. Tyson Beck right now is a hot international name when yep. it comes to trading card design and collaboration. What he did in the NBA space last year—it oh. it, significant, not yep. just for the hobby, but the hobby's position within the international marketplace
0: as well. That Australia's producing these type of people. So, so did, so did they miss a trick, not really publicising that? I, if you're going to try to pull people like me across, I, I, th- I think tra- traditionally, so it's really interesting. You look at Team
1: Coach and you say, prior to this year, Team Coach, Team Coach. Is was way ahead of the trend line with social interaction, content, and everything like that. But it's more of a gamified that's right. But they've yep. always had a really good marketing and content campaign that reaches their audience, yep, and their core audience. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? We've seen selects step up for the first time and start engaging at a content level, at a social media level, the Lynn Gilmart and, and that's stuff. right. At a, yeah, di- yeah. At, a, at a digital marketing level, yep. I think what Team Coach does is spot on for. What would generally be the market for team coach past, past? past you know, in in the past, I think the Tyson Beck angle is far bigger. That helps the crossover, and and, and, ex- and, and yeah. us talking about it is yeah. a very clear example of the importance of it, and the fact that people are commenting about it are uh, the importance of that communication. So it could you know what at the end of the day it could have been a case that they didn't even mention the guy's name in their content so the fact that they mentioned his name at least it is a really is a really positive thing tyson also obviously pushed it
0: out as well which which is great to see yep. but it, it, you know it, it's it's a big deal but then why didn't they wheel him out and do a video or you know if they're looking to get again i keep using excuses because me, I, th- I
1: think someone like him and
0: especially at the point of
1: engagement is probably is engaged as a designer not for their not for their their
0: profile as such but that's crazy but it's that, that's that's a mistake in my opinion yeah. because it's like going and getting pro heart to go and paint your wall at, in a in some restaurant and you're not putting his name up next to it yeah yeah that's fair that's that's fair enough like yeah. you know you've got someone who clearly they must have paid a shitload of money to yeah who's got this international brand promote it like that's the thing that you know as we can see the comments are coming on the screen people are saying that's going to be a highly collectible set and if you can get the people in the hobby industry wanting to get involved with that sort of stuff i don't know that that feels like to me that again look i i I, you know you've talked to me about for years you know that team coach is you know it's been around for ages it's collectible I mean, if they want to make this leap, they're the things that they've really got to shout from the rooftops. Yes. Well,
1: I and I absolutely agree with that. And again, yeah. hopefully we're giving it the airtime that it actually deserves well, as we didn't,
0: well. We didn't talk this long about Team Coach last year.
1: Yeah, well, that, and that's exactly right. So yeah. I, I think that's the whole thing. And we see the progression here because people like us and all these other people, again, who are tuned into the stream at the moment yeah. are having the conversation. And we're seeing it for the first time
0: engaged with in, in Facebook we'll, groups. Well, look at that. I've so, never spent $1 on Team Coach in 30 years of collecting. I'll be buying some this year, so there you go. Yeah, I mean that—that that is the shift of sentiment that I'm sure Team Coach would like to see. Yeah, and I guess you know to get me someone like me across. You know, I
1: yeah, know,
0: I need to be excited about it. And I,
1: I think as well, like we're certainly aware that Team Coach is making a more active push to to look after the people within the hobby resale of area course, yeah, and we're as well. That, yep. um, we're, we're conscious that the product should become more available within the collector's market because of, of that hobby sector that they're, they're really trying to, to get back we involved are adding well. to the community. Yeah.
0: It's not like you're taking from one pole to another. That's, you're right. You're to you're, that's right. You're That's right. You're, you're expanding it. Exactly yeah. right. And, um,
1: yeah, can't wait to see, see what the previews are, obviously. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it's interesting. I saw someone just said, made a comment before that they thought there was a one-in-two case here. I think Luke Coyle said, said, still yeah. a one-in-two case here to come. Oh, the yes. fact that team coach is being talked about having cards that are referred to as case hits or one in two case hits and not just a special, yep, a special card or a rare card or something like that yep. is probably indicative that there is interest in it at a collectible level. yep. That's and true. we're talking about games that are uh, cards that are highly interactive gaming cards as well here. And, and that's one of the critical pieces of this is so many adults do super coach and fantasy leagues and things like that as well. Yeah, I'm guilty. Is Do we see the level of engagement from adults increasing significantly with the team coach interactive and online games? And is what team coach is doing, like with the best and fairest cards, the Tyson Becks, that's probably a really smart move by using them to to engage with the online games as part of a reward system that then brings in people, like-minded people who would be into fantasy.
0: Yep, yeah. yep, fair call. Well, look, obviously, watch that spa- Watch this space. I guess we'll see a whole range of previews over the next couple of weeks as they start to roll out some of the bigger cards. Yeah. Um, going back to 40 stars for a second, because obviously that's the, the hot thing at the moment. How do you see the next couple of weeks? You know, we are now, what, 10 days into release. Do you think as more stock starts arriving, more stock gets into – you know, the Safeways or Woolworths or whatever it's called, 7-Elevens, Caltechs, all that kind of stuff. Do you think that there becomes another sort of mini surge or do you think we get to a little bit of a flood of products kind of situation? I just don't see there being, uh, I think, as I said before, the biggest, the
1: largest volume of the product to be on the market at any one point in time for for forever, is now. It's now. Okay. I don't see the peak increasing from really where it's at. Maybe over the next couple of days, but I just don't see it. Yeah. I feel like, excuse me, that just sneeze. Up, I feel like there is a a misconception. you, <coughs> Thank you. Um, I feel like there is a, a misconception at the moment that only a little bit has come and the majority is still to come. Oh, I just don't open. feel like that's the case. That seems to be the general feeling, and a few people have said it to me, and I've been quick to respond back and saying. Well, that's not really like, from what from what I'm seeing in terms of volume, I yep. can't understand how it's possible that there would be so much more still to go. Yeah, okay. it just makes no sense to me. There's a
0: bit, but I just don't see it. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Steve saying still no stock in Perth. Well, I mean, we've sent some boxes express from RGB Collectibles, and people have got them already in Perth. So, I mean, stock could be there somewhere. Maybe yeah, some well, people maybe, might have snapped it all up already. And maybe oh, the right. distributors just are taking
1: their time Austria, over that. You know what? Resellers could be holding it back. Who knows? Like yep. or distri- yeah, as you said, the distribution
0: warehouses. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, we've talked plenty about stock stuff. Um, I noticed that they've fired up and used the app now. The new uh, the Select app has updated everything for Footy Stars 2021. Oh, um, I did that was one of the questions I did ask them today. Um, over the next couple of months, they're gonna look to back catalog that now. So I think probably going back to Certified <laughs> 16, something like that. So you're going to be able to go in and put all your collections in and actually, you know, download your lists. Yeah, and all I'm the way I've never really used the app. I signed up with it
1: before when it
0: first came out. Yep. I have never actually used it.
1: Um, look, I've got some serious custom-built spreadsheets and everything to track yep. my collection, but um, I've also always been apprehensive about giving my information away and, and what could happen with it yep um but what are you really giving away information about what, I, what i'm holding i suppose and how that you know I, I, yeah look look it's i don't know it's definitely
0: uh grab the tinfoil that's right It's, grab it's the tinfoil it's, it's, right. it's tinfoil tin stuff but g'day steve how are you man do
1: i want to be retargeted by ads based on players that i'm like probably not so, such a bad thing as
0: if you don't want to see jack steel ads coming up on know, your phone but, all the time absolutely but yeah it's
1: more it's more like i don't know i'm one of those people that's wary of like data breaches or something like that yeah, but right. in fairness when i've said it to aj in the past he said to me well as someone who in your other businesses and other things you're involved in captures a lot of data from people and a lot of very personal information yep. how do you how do you feel about that you know it's at the end of the day privacy is protected as well as it it can be, you know, and people can't just go and misuse your information. That's right. Getting breached or stolen, something else, but yeah.
0: Yeah, that's right. And look, obviously, data is a good tool. Yeah, yeah, it's a good tool. But look, anyway, go and check it out. It's it's super useful. I use it myself. Um, I know I used it a couple of weeks ago when I was trying to clear some or make my dominant sets, and I was able to quickly work out what I needed. So go and check it out if you're not using it, and they will back-catalog that stuff soon. Um... Okay, so I'm conscious of time because, as always, we just talk and talk and talk. Can I just
1: bring up a couple of real exciting things that have happened sure. outside of just AFL? Because yeah, go also for we're it, very please. It, but huge week this week. Lots of things have happened. But just a couple of the key highlights that I picked up on was that there has been more record-breaking uh, NBA card options that uh, went through the Golden Auction House this week. They had a, an auction the other day that uh, turned over $48.5 million worth of uh, trading cards and other collectible memorabilia, you know, memorabilia. But a couple of the big things that came out of that was a, a Kobe Topps uh, Chrome rookie card that sold for $1.795 million and then a uh, LeBron uh, rookie patch order that sold for $1.537 million. Wow. And the, the, the numbers associated with this, are very very significant i saw something today that there was i think it was cherry the guys at cherry reshared someone's tweet was a person that sold that had previously owned the the kobe card the kobe bryant card and sold it 10 years ago for 17000 wow so it got sold now for 17 million the previous seller sold it for 17000 then the person after that, I think, sold it for into the low hundreds of thousands only about eighteen months ago, and now, and went wow. close to close to one point eight million. So it just shows you how hot that market obviously is. And then Pokemon and and uh, all the TCG stuff just continues to just go go nuts, and that's being really heavily pushed by a lot of online social media celebrities and and Jake Paul is obviously and and then obviously big big athletes and stuff like that yeah Logan Paul Logan Logan Paul Paul, sorry yeah yeah, so Logan Paul for those who who didn't come across it, Logan Paul opening packets that were costing $40,000 a packet but then also hitting some of those Charizard's which apparently
0: are worth significant money so it just shows huge huge money all around so are you telling me my dusty card that I paid $17 for. Could be worth $1.7
1: million one day. Is that what you're telling me? Unfortunately for you, Andrew, I do not think that will ever be the case. Um, but the other big thing is obviously a lot of changes with BGS and PSA and all, all, oh, yeah. all, all the grading uh, companies. Prices have gone up. Timelines have pushed yep. back out. And again, for those who, who didn't miss it, BGS came out and announced. I don't have the figure here, but they announced that they currently have a submission backlog of cards that is into the millions. Wow. There are literally millions of cards waiting to be graded. So just have a think about that one. Let that sink in. Millions of cards, millions of pieces of cardboard waiting to be
0: graded. That's insane. 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 Like So does that, now that obviously, and look, you know, we've talked a little bit about grading and RGB Collectibles will be announcing something soon with PSA, but... Now with these new prices and longer waits, et cetera, et cetera, does that give cards that are graded already a price bump? Potentially, I think the high graded cards get continue to get
1: get price bumps. Yeah. Um, there's lots of lots of conjecture around around grading and especially around the the volume of tens and things like that at the moment, obviously yeah. coming out of PSA. The reality is what gives greater card value is the population. If there's the more there are, the lower the value actually becomes of that. if there's all these tens, what actually reduces the value once it hits that that tipping point where the people that want tens is less than the amount of tens available on the market and the volume just keeps increasing. Yep. So supply and demand. That's right. BGS used to effectively be more popular and more valuable because of harsher grading than PSA. In the last 18 months, PSA has come the other way around. Everyone wants a PSA 10. A PSA 10 is seen to be now far, far better than a BGS 9.5, which never used to be the case. Yep. But then a BGS 10 or a black label BGS 10 are far more significant than PSA 10s. And it's because of the population of them. Q. Ja Moran mentioned. Yeah, Ja Moran. Um, But (laughs) that's the reality because of the population if they were if there was so many more bgs tens or black labels coming out they wouldn't be worth the same
0: sort of money absolutely yeah yep what else you got on your magic list there jenks that you want to
1: talk about uh, the magic list is oh look we're pumped through and i think that the the viewers have really prompted a lot of questions that that uh that uh that we
0: had here in the conversation. It's. Uh, Well, obviously, look, we'll open it up if you guys do have any questions. Obviously, there's been heaps flowing through. We will sort of uh, cover anything quickly towards the end. Uh, But, look, we will start, obviously, with everyone's favourite or continue with everyone's favourite episode or segment. Favourite segment. Segment. The AJ1 special. Unicorn hunting. We still are on the lookout for a Caleb Sarong draft pick um, card that we talked about last episode. But this one tonight, obviously... um, I guess it's a little bit team coach themed because we didn't talk about team coach. So I thought let's perhaps dig up some team coach unicorns. Um, Jason, who is obviously a good friend of the show and a stalwart of the community, um, is looking for a Dane Swan Brownlow prize card with the SW. So there were four variants, I believe, and there was certain variants that were numbered SW4 and number four. So it's from 2012 the Dane Swan Brownlow Prize card with the SW4. So obviously, look, you know, this is a, a card that isn't cheap. It's worth a couple hundred bucks. If you have one of those out there or you know where one is, this is our first official team coach unicorn. So get in touch with us at Card Authority. Um, we will obviously always help facilitate a trade or whatever we need to do. We don't pay for it. You don't pay for it. Dane uh, Dane Swan. Brownlow Prize card from Team Coach, 2012. Make sure you let us know, and we will see if we can get our first unicorn at RGB headquarters since we moved into the new studio. True, and
1: probably that that
0: card is a bit of a reflection of the more collectible era of
1: Team Coach, yep. and how rare some of the cards are and hard to find. Absolutely. Make no mistake, Jason is a very long-term collector and has been around within the collecting community as a significant collector for a very long time, the fact he doesn't have that card in his master set shows you how rare the cards really are. And, again, that goes back to the conversation before that it really looks like. They're going back to that. Pe- they're looking. They're looking back at that period. What as to what made those cards rare? Yep. What made them collectible and desirable?
0: And are trying to to do something similar. So absolutely. Yep. So we will go on the website. And yes, thank you, Jacob. I know I do need to update the website. We've just been a little bit busy the last couple of weeks. So I will update. Obviously, all the Card Authority shows and unicorns tomorrow when I come into the office. Um, look. You've been exceptional. No, you have. No, you have. It's been a long 10 days, let's be honest. It has been a long 10 days, but we've loved it. Yeah. And um, I guess a little bit self-indulgent. Look, thank you to everybody that's come into RGB Collectibles. Um, You know, it's fantastic in this day and age when people support new businesses and there's obviously people that we've known or we've spoken to or we've done trades with or whatever, and then just some complete strangers that have come in. So thank you to all of you that have come in and said hello to us. Checked out the new store, coming out and have a look at the break room. Some of you have helped out. It's been fantastic. So I certainly won't mention all of them. There's been so many of them. But thank you very much for coming and supporting our new venture. Yeah, Adam yeah, and I, I we, we love what we do. We're yeah. very, very fortunate that we get to do something that we love. We're collectors. We're obviously businessmen, but we are collectors and we love being able to do this. And to be able to help you guys all enjoy the community yeah so thank you and we I'll, really appreciate it the sense of community is what really
1: permeates through through everything that that we we do and we want to do it absolutely be able to to empower people and and to to collect to have a voice to discuss to engage to, to really be part of it at a broad level so yep it's been incredible to see over the last 10 days how the community has all interacted with itself across the board and yep. all the various break pages and the different Different online resellers and the trading pages and the stuff just everything in general it's just been I- incredible to watch unfold and as a lot of people know we look at a lot of the numbers and the data associated yep. with everything and you know just a few days ago I was sharing with, with some of my fellow admin on some of the pages some of the the, the data and the graphs and everything and it just oh, the a lot it just shows a community yep. in card collecting and this could be contrary to some things you've read or some things you've seen, but the community involved in card collecting in Australia is absolutely massive right now and it's so engaged
0: yep. and it is overwhelmingly positive engagement as well. It's just absolutely. it's an amazing thing to look at. And look, so many of you guys are writing messages saying thank you and look, obviously, thank you to you guys too. We won't be self-indulgent enough to put them all on the screen, but thank you. We appreciate you guys coming down. So, look, we will wrap the show up. Obviously, we will be back next week for another episode of Card Authority. Uh, me and James have to go and do a break now at RGB Break. So for the few people that are sending me messages about that, don't worry, we'll be busting some pocket, uh, some packets very, very soon. Thank you very much, guys. Adam, thank you. Thank
1: you, sir. And uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And uh, thanks for the engagement tonight as well, guys. It's been and, great. Yeah, can't wait for the next episode. And for those who are breaking with us, in just a few minutes, we'll see you guys soon. Oh,
0: and see everyone at Melbourne Fair, yeah. Melbourne Card Fair, 21st, Sunday, March, March 21st, yeah. Sunday. We'll be there. Um, the Details boys... are up on
1: the Good Vibes page. They're all over
0: the internet as well. Just check it out. Melbourne yep. Town Hall in Melbourne. Make sure yep. you check that one out. And, guys, have fun out there. Lots of good things to do in the community. Enjoy. Have a good night.